Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Good day to all of you. Greetings from North Carolina. Today we're going to do our next M&M series passage, which is Psalm 19. Stay tuned and we'll get right to it. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right. Today is Psalm 19. I have so enjoyed doing this series um, this year in 2023. Our M&M series, our Meditate and Memorize series, where we dare to dig in, to marinate on the truth of God's Word, to really sit and soak in the truths that He has laid out for us. And this time we're looking at Psalm 19, and I just want to tell you again, not surprisingly, I'm sitting here with all of these notes and charts and graphs and two different Bible translations, so much that I have gained studying this myself that I'm looking forward to sharing with you today. This passage really means so much to me because of how much I love creation and being out in my garden, and really I want to look at Psalm 19 in three different passage sets, right? Three different breakdowns. So first we have the work of God, 
the word of God and then requests of God. And so we're going to look at this that way today. And I do hope that you'll go over to rachelcarmen.com, download and print out the PDF study guide for yourself. That complements what we're going to talk about today. It does not compete with it. it. They both go together. So the questions and the study guide information over there is actually different from what we'll talk about here today. So again, it adds a different dimension to your study time. And I would invite you, again, to read this passage in several different translations just so that you can see it more and more and more, the truth of God's Word. Not that it would say different things in different translations, but sometimes when we read it in a different translation, it gets our our attention in a different way. So I am going to jump into our study today. I'm not going to read the whole thing for us today. I just want to, again, walk through this outline that I have found in this passage. We're going to start with the works of God. And so we see here right at the beginning, it starts in verse 1 saying, the heavens are telling the glory of God. So if you listen to me at all, whether here on the podcast or live at events that I get to do this is my this is my thing. I love to be out in God's creation. My favorite time of year is spring and summer. I love the new things that emerge from a cold ground in the spring. You know, death to life is the theme of spring. When you see that all that is in my garden at that time of the year is just dirt and I know that there are things that are going to spring to life and then the anticipation every day of going out and seeing if this is the day the ferns have come up. Is this the day the hollyhock emerges? Is this the day the daylilies push up through the dirt? I just love the spring and all the hope that it brings as new things come from death to life. And then, of course, in the summer, to see those things continue to grow and then to bloom. And then, like in my vegetable garden, to see a harvest come and be able to pick and eat things from my own garden. I just love that time of year. The fall is hard for me. I, I cutting everything back and laying everything in store, right? Knowing that the season is over and yet there's a beauty to the fall. And I have things in my garden that only bloom and harvest that only come as things get cooler And then there's the winter, which is probably the hardest time for me, but yet the frost and there's beauty even in the winter. I love the frost on the grass, the frost on the pumpkin. I love the frost. Um, The snowflakes even are just so beautiful. Every season, God is showing off to us, and that is what the psalmist is writing about here in Psalm 19, that the heavens are telling the glory of God, declaring the work of his hands. When we spend time outside in creation, we see the handiwork of God, the intricacies, the beauty. So just to talk more about this time of year, which is my favorite time of year, and I was in the garden this weekend, and I counted 10 swallowtail butterflies and three hummingbird moths, and I couldn't count all the bumblebees and all the different varieties of bumblebees and hornets and wasps and all of those, the beetles, all of those things that I'm seeing this time of year, and added in then with all of the blooms, all of the different blooms. I've got bishop flower this year and cosmos and 
sunflower and bellflower and lantana and milkweed and all of these different blooms and have some hyssop, which I just love because it attracts all of the bees. And just the wonder of how God created all of these different plants to attract all of these different insects and bugs and listen to the the wings of the butterfly flutter and listen to the bees buzz. And just it's just a glorious thing to be out in creation. And I do believe as we dare to spend time out in creation that we do get to see God in marvelous ways. Picking up then in verse 2, it says, Day-to-day creation pours forth speech. Day-to-day Day-to-day and then night-to-night, it says, reveals knowledge. And I think these things are things that we forget, that we take for granted, right? That we can go outside and we can hear and we can see the glory and the wonderful works of God. And I would just invite you to take time to do that, to go on a nature walk, to sit outside, to let the breeze blow through your hair, right? To sit out with your kids and watch the ants crawl around, to gather caterpillars. It's about to be caterpillar season. I've already had one caterpillar emerge to a swallowtail butterfly. And I'm just going to say it never gets old to watch the miraculous transformation of a caterpillar to a butterfly. It never gets old. And I found this one on some parsley outside, and he was about the size of my pinky, and I brought him inside, and he cocooned, and then he emerged twenty, right about 20 days later. And I got to let him go. And again, just the wonder of creation and watching that happen. And I just want to challenge you as moms, and maybe there's some dads listening, I want to challenge you to Go with the wonder of God and give it to your kids. Dare to marvel over his handiwork. Dare to look at tree bark and moss and flower blossoms and all of the different things that God has created and explore them and understand them and not just them as biological creatures, but as things that God created for a purpose and that they're intricately designed to do what? To glorify him. And so as we take our kids outside, as we spend time outside, we can just really revel in the glory and the wonder of God. And I love that that is what the psalmist begins this psalm with, is just the glory and the wonder of God in creation. And basically he's saying, get outside, get outside and see who God is. Get outside and marvel about who God is. Dare to go outside and see who he is. So often you and I wrestle our problems and our difficulties and we face trials and tribulations and we have problems in our life and we can get all caught up with all of this stuff in our head. And I really believe what the psalmist is inviting us to do here is to get outside. Get outside and clear your head. Get outside and see what marvelous works the Lord has done. And I do believe in my own life, it is as I spend time outside that I really am able to pray through 
sometimes cry through, often weed through issues in my own heart, mind, and soul, and just seek the Lord as I'm outside in his creation, because I just become immersed in the wonder and the glory of who he is and what he's already done, and I can pour out my own issues and problems and frustrations right there in his creation, because one of the things I do often is I get out of my garden and I weed. And as I'm weeding, I'm asking God to weed out my heart, weed out the wrong thoughts in my mind, right? As I'm right there in creation, surrounded by birds and butterflies and bumblebees, I'm asking God to show himself, to grant me peace, to do all of these things right there as I'm in the context of his creation. It says then in verse three, no speech, nor are their words, their voice is not heard. Their line has gone through all the earth and their utterance to the end of the world. See what verses three in the first half of four point to is that the evidence of who God is, is universal. It's everywhere all the time. There's no language barrier. There's no geographical barrier. All of the wonder of God is throughout creation. It's universal. It's everywhere. And that, again, is what the psalmist is inviting us out into. He's saying, go out into this. Be reminded of who God is. And in fact, I really believe that verses 1 through the first half of 4 are this invitation to practice Psalm 46.10. To practice, be still and know. To dare to be still and know who he is and to remember that whatever it is in your life that is so challenging and so hard today, that he's got it, that he is over it. That is the reminder. And that is the encouraging word that I hear from this. Continuing on in the second half of four and into five and six, it says he's placed the sun as a tent. This whole thing, he's talking about the sun. He's talking about that there's no escape from the sun. It searches and it scorches, right? There's no escape. Everything is exposed. What to? The sovereignty of God. He's over it all. And he's the judge of all. He is Lord God Almighty. That's who he is. And it is easy, again, when we hunker down in our homes, when we get inside of our heads, and we resist going out when we don't get out into his creation, when we take for granted the rising and the setting of the sun, instead of getting out into it and being reminded of who he is, everything overcomes us. We feel undone. But again, this psalmist is inviting us to get out again into his creation, to get out and be reminded of who he is, to get out and be reminded that he is sovereign. He is over all. There is nothing that he does not see, that he does not order, that he does not know, that he does not care about, that he does not provide for. That's what the psalmist is saying here. From the east to the west, he knows He knows. He sees. He sees because he is sovereign, because he is creator, and he is over it all. I'm reminded because of this passage of another passage that may be familiar with to you. It's in Romans 1. So this is Paul writing. 
picking up in 18, and I would invite you to read the whole chapter, at least of Romans 1, but I'm going to pick up in 18 because this is directly related to what the psalmist is writing about here in Psalm 19. He writes this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, now don't miss this, For since the creation of the world, see the parallel now with Psalm 19? Since the creation of the world, he has made known his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature, clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Without excuse. Paul is writing here parallel to what the psalmist is writing. And that is, as we investigate, as we experience, as we go out into God's creation, we're without excuse not knowing who God is, not knowing his invisible attributes. Those attributes about God that we can't quite get a handle on, as we spend time out in creation... We see those attributes. We see them. We see his eternal power. This God who spoke light into existence. That's eternal power. This God who ordered the planets. His eternal power and his divine nature. He alone is God. These three things are evident in creation. And if we claim not to know the truth, or reject the truth. We're without excuse because these things are made evident in the created order. So that's the first six verses of Psalm 19. Stay tuned and we'll pick up in verse 7. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, The Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. All right, we've already talked about the works of God in verses 1 through 6 of Psalm 19. Now we're going to pick up in the Word of God. And this is a beautiful passage, and you've probably heard this before, and I really want to challenge you. This whole psalm is just so glorious. And again, I've got all of these notes and all of these arrows, and I tried to put it in order so I wouldn't forget anything. But there's just so much here, and I hope that you'll take time to read this passage over and over and over 
and allow the Holy Spirit of the everlasting God to just teach you his truths and draw you deeper into a relationship with him. But picking up in verse 7, specifically through verse 9, we get this passage where it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. So here we see that the law of the Lord, and this refers to Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That law of the Lord, it's perfect. It's flawless. And he writes here, it restores the soul. It refreshes. Do you need some refreshment? Do you need some refreshment? The psalmist here says that the law of the Lord The word of the Lord will refresh you. Secondly, the second half of seven, it says the testimony of the Lord is sure. It's trustworthy. Do you need something you can bank on? The psalmist here says you can bank on the testimony of the Lord. It's sure. It's sure. It makes wise the simple. The law, the testimony of the Lord, the law of the Lord, these things teach us. Are there things that you need to know? Do you have situations, problems, relationship issues in your life? Things that you need to be, things that you need more wisdom about? It says here that the testimony of the Lord teaches. It teaches. In verse 8, it says, the precepts of the Lord are right. They're just. They're just. They rejoice the heart. This delights. It says the precepts of the Lord delight us. Do you need some delight in your life? I know I do. All of these things, all of these things point us to him. The second half of eight says the commandments of the Lord are pure. They're holy. They're holy. They enlighten our eyes. They illuminate us. Are there things that you feel like you just can't quite make out? You just can't quite see the solution. You can't see the resolution. You can't see the outcome, the other side. Do you feel like you're in a dark tunnel and you can't even see the light at the end? Maybe you're even going the wrong direction. Do you feel like the walls are closing in? The psalmist here writes that the precepts of the Lord Rejoice the heart, the commandments of the Lord, enlighten the eyes. That light that you're looking for, you can find in the commandments of the Lord, for they are holy and they are pure. Picking up in 9, it says the fear of the Lord is clean. It's established. It's enduring. It abides, right? In this time of chaos, And all of the shifting sand of this culture, when it's hard to find a firm footing, he says here that it's the fear of the Lord that endures. It's the fear of the Lord that is abiding, that lasts. It's established. The fear of the Lord is something you can build on. The fear of the Lord. And finally, second half of verse 9, the judgments of the Lord are true. We're living in a culture that says there is no truth, right? And the psalmist is like, oh, no, that's not it. Because the judgments of the Lord are true. If you are searching, listener, for truth, you can find it in the word of God. Because truth does exist. 
and it is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And throughout scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, the entire book is pointing to the truth of the gospel message. And the truth is that you and I are sinners in need of a savior. And that savior was given to us by a loving father, God who sent his only son to pay the sin debt price that you and I could never pay and to redeem us by his perfect blood shed on Calvary and to defeat death on the third day by resurrecting to new life and by inviting us, you and me, to place our belief in his atoning sacrifice, to receive mercy abundant, the forgiveness of our sin and grace as we have received hope for eternal life with him. That's the truth. That's the truth. And it is righteous altogether. See, in verses 7 through 9, here is what the psalmist writes that the word does. It refreshes. It teaches. It delights. It illuminates. It abides. And it anchors. This is the truth of God's word. This is what it gives us. This is what it gives us. This is what it promises. And then it goes on in 10 and 11. It says that it's valuable. God's word is valuable. It's a treasure. It's something that we should store up in our hearts. It's desirable more than gold. It's sweeter, sweeter than honey. Sweeter than honey. And it's beneficial. It's beneficial to us. Because it warns us. It warns us about what not to do and what we ought to do. And I would humbly suggest to you today that both of those things are equally important. We need to be knowledgeable. We need to know those things that we ought not do. And we ought not do them. But equally as important, we need to know those things that we ought to do. And we need to be busy doing those things. So we benefit from knowing the word of God because, first of all, we are warned about what not to do and what to do and how to live. And secondly, we're made aware of the rewards of living rightly, the rewards of living worthily of that which we've been given, that which we've been called to. So the first part of the passage of Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6 focuses on the works of God, verses 7 through 11, focus on the word of God. And now we're going to finish up by the request the psalmist makes of God in verses 12 through 14. And here we see this. The psalmist writes, equip me, equip me of hidden faults, blind spots. Basically, the psalmist writes, pardon me, forgive me of my hidden faults, those things I can't see, those things I'm not even aware of. Please, Lord, forgive me. Secondly, he writes, keep me from presumptuous sin. This is what Bonhoeffer writes about cheap grace. Forgive me. Forgive me. Keep me, Lord, from committing sins, presuming on your grace and on your forgiveness. When I just want to take grace off the shelf, when I just want to bank on it, when I want to take for granted your forgiveness, keep me from doing that. Restrain me, Lord. Restrain me from doing that. Third, the psalmist writes, let me not 
want wrong things. Let not sin rule over me. Guard me, the psalmist writes. Guard me. Then the psalmist does this in between. He takes sort of a pause here because he he says, pardon me, restrain me, guard me. And then he said, then because of you, not because of me. And oh, listener, we we must remember this. Any good thing that we get, any reward that God blesses us with is because of what he has done, not because of what we have done. Not because we've earned it, but because he has freely and abundantly given it to us. The psalmist says, then, then I will be blameless because of what you have done. I will be cleansed because of the cross of Calvary, because of the perfect blood shed from the perfect Lamb of God. Then I will be cleansed. I will be blameless. Then I will be acquitted of great transgression. Forgiven of great transgression. All of us are sinners. It is so easy for us to look around and begin that dangerous practice of comparative. When we compare our sin with someone else and we get comfortable in our sin. And this is a dangerous place to be. To think that someone else is more of a sinner than you or I We're all sinners, and any one sin dooms us to the wrath of God. It's not a comparison game. Sin separates us eternally from a holy, mighty God. It is not healthy. It is not wisdom. In fact, it is utter foolishness to compare sins, our sin, with anybody else. It is far more wise to be cognizant of the sinful nature of our hearts individually, that we, that we are the reason why Christ had to die on Calvary, that his blood was shed for me, a sinner, that my sin nailed him to the cross of Calvary, that I am in need of his forgiveness, of that sacrifice. And I'm only cleansed. I am only acquitted, forgiven because of the cross of Calvary. Then picking up, the psalmist makes a final request. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, that I would be acceptable. That the words of my mouth, those things that I actually speak, right, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the psalmist says, may the overflow of my heart speak in an acceptable way. And maybe more importantly, secondly, the psalmist says, may the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. My rock and my redeemer. My foundation and my hope. My rock is my foundation on which I build my life. Not the shifting sand, but the rock. And my redeemer, the only hope I have is that he redeems me. The only hope I have is the perfect lamb slain on the cross of Calvary to pay my sin debt. That is my only hope. Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer, the psalmist cries. 
oh listener, that you and I would cry out to the Lord, our rock and our redeemer, that he would pardon me, a sinner, that he would restrain me, that he would guard me, that he would hold me, that my words and my meditations would be acceptable and pleasing to him. May the Lord bless you and keep you as you seek him, as you study Psalm 19. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Beckett Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.